Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you here. This is Acts chapter 5, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 16. This is the Word of God, starting in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young man came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the, among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, and none of the rest dared join them. But the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. So, that as it, so Peter, as he came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. And the people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted and unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the morning. God, we do celebrate you, Lord Jesus. We celebrate the amazing gospel, the good news that Jesus died and rose again. And that all who repent and believe in his name have eternal life. That's amazing grace. And this grace is not cheap grace. This grace is costly. It is real. And God, you care about your church so deeply. The bride of Christ. And so God, we rejoice in the word. It's a hard passage this morning. But Lord God, you are a good God to bring us celebratory, easy passages and really hard ones. And God, I think about that contrast of celebration and sorrow and joy and difficulty, God, and I lift up all of our moms to you. God, we thank you for moms. We thank you for you creating mankind, male and female. We thank you for our mothers. Lord, every single one of us has a mom. 
Lord, may we be grateful for their example. If they're perished and not with us anymore, may their example continue to ring true into our hearts and minds. And Lord, if they're living, our mothers are very precious to us. May we not waste the day. May we rejoice in the moms that God has, you have given us. Whether they are righteous or unrighteous, oh God, they're a gift from you. And Lord, certainly we sorrow with those who sorrow this morning. God, there are ladies, even in this room, who struggle in their heart with deep sorrow and bereavement and, and hard thoughts about Mother's Day. God, would you be near them? Holy Spirit, would you be near them now? Jesus, would you be closer than any human relationship to these precious women in our church and women all over the world who, who struggle on Mother's Day with suffering and sorrow. God, would you be so near them? And God, we ask that you do that by your grace. So Lord, take us now into your word, prepare our hearts to listen and hear and repent and believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Yes, happy Mother's Day to you all. Um, I just, my brother Jeremy just sent me this text before service, and I have to read it to you. In honor of all of our moms, moms, we love you, we praise God for you, and we celebrate you today. Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite theologians, said this, he said, never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Can I get an amen? Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. And praise the Lord, if you have a godly mother, um, you have a heritage. You have a heritage. Do not take it for granted. Do not take it for granted. But happy Mother's Day. May God bless you with wonderful things today. And as we approach the passage of Scripture this morning, uh, the sermon series, as you know, is The Thriving Church. And my sermon title this morning is this, Parading, Pruning, and Producing. Parading, Pruning, and Producing. And nothing says a Mother's Day sermon like God killing a couple... <laughs> For a financial sin. Can I get an amen? I mean, I was looking at this text all week and I'm like, well, here we go, Jesus. This is going to be good. You'll make it work. And uh, we're not going to shrink back from the text that God has given us this morning. We're excited about it. And in this passage of scripture, the church is just on fire and moving forward. And there's so many wonderful things happening. And then you come to Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. And you have the first major sin to strike into the church. And it is hard. It is the grievous and public sin of Ananias and Sapphira, who are forever known for their pride and their hypocrisy and their lying. Just when you're thinking all things are going so well in the church, so many wonderful things happening, and then you get to the word but in verse 1. But, ah, 
There's always shock when people read this passage of Scripture. And a lot of questions that I have received over the years. Hey, pastor, I was reading in my Bible. I got to Acts chapter 5. What is going on? Why would God kill two people? It seems a little extreme. Why is God killing people who lie about their financial giving at church? Man, that seems a little intense, God. Is God going to kill me if I lie about my financial giving at church? No, he's not. It's a little extreme, but he might, I guess. You better be tithing, amen? <laughs> but I thought, is it really intense? A moment of, of, of levity here before we get into some serious things. Is it really that intense? I mean, every child growing up with a good mom knew when they were pushing enough buttons of sin and rebellion that your life might be on the line. Can I get an amen? And there's a lot of momisms out there. I, you can Google momisms, and I thought this one would be really good. A mom saying, I brought you into this world, <laughs> and don't you think for a second I can't take you out of this world. Can I get a mom amen? Yeah. And many moms feel this way, and some of you were on the verge of killing your kids this week. Maybe figuratively, maybe literally, I don't know, right? But just a moment of levity, right? We all know it gets intense sometimes with moms. So why not God, right? At times, God gets intense about his church, and, and it does get intense. Things were going so good, and then... Bam, here comes Acts 5. And mature Christians, you know that it's always during your best times that you need to be on your guard. Can I get an amen? It's in your best seasons of success and joy and, and things are really working out well. Mature Christians know that that is actually the moment when you are most susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Have you ever read this verse before? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. God is going to keep his church focused and it's actually in the best of times that you need to be on your guard about maybe what could attack you or trip you up. And that's what's going on in Acts chapter 5. Things are going so good that the church needs to stay focused because it's in the best of times that the biggest tests sometimes can come. Have you ever read the proverb before that says a man is tested by his praise? It's when we're praised. That when the te we're most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And on Mother's Day, think about it. A great mom is always focused, man. A great mom keeps her kids focused. Here's what you're doing wrong. Here's what you need to do right. We have a vision for your life. You may not like your vision, but we're focused on this goal. And a mom keeps you on track. Amen? A dad's like, yeah, I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> but a mom is focused. And God is focused on his church, and he's not going to let his church not be focused on his glory and on the gospel. And that's what's going on in Acts 5. In verse 14, 
It says this, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. That is a, such an important verse for this text, because in this text right here, you see more than ever, God is being glorified in the church and disciples are being made. And that doesn't just happen. That's a process. And God knows how to keep his church focused. And that's the big idea of the passage. God will do whatever he has to do to keep his church focused on glorifying his name and making disciples. Hear it very clearly, church. God will do whatever he has to do to keep the church focused on his glory and on making disciples. He'll do whatever he's got to do. You mean even at Living Waters? Yes, especially at Living Waters Fellowship in South Des Moines. God will do whatever he's got to do to us to keep us focused on his glory and making more disciples. So God doesn't share his glory with anybody else. Do you know that? God does not share his glory with anybody else. Isaiah 42 tells us that he does not share glory with you or me. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. God is holy and he is not to be trifled with. Too many American Christians today think that they can mess with God. You cannot mess with holiness. Bad things will happen. If you try, and especially if you trifle with his church, God will not stand for it. He will stand up for his own glory. He will keep his church focused on his glory, and he will do whatever it takes to make more disciples. So if a church is thriving, here's the question we're going to answer, then we're going to dive in. If a church is thriving, does it have problems staying humble and focused? The answer is yes. If a church is thriving, does it have any problems? And all God's people said, amen. Church has got problems, man. Lots of them. But here's the deal. We have a problem staying humble and focused when we're thriving, when things are going really good. So therefore, God has to keep the church razor sharp in its focus. As a Christian, can I ask you this question? How's your focus been? How's your focus been? on the glory of God and making disciples of all nations. For some of you, you're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like right with you. I'm making disciples. I'm sharp, pastor. Things are good. But some of you have lost your focus. You've gotten distracted by your success, by the ease and comfort of your life, and you have slowly, or maybe not so slowly, wandered away from God. And I'm telling you right now, God will do whatever it takes in your life to get your attention on his glory and on making disciples of all nations. So God is active in Acts chapter 5. We're going to see three activities of God in Acts chapter 5. Activity number one is God recognizes the parade. God recognizes the parade, verses 1 and 2. But a man named Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. The first sin that the church committed by Ananias and Sapphira was that of parading. They they did a parade, a spiritual parade. And they paraded themselves around with sacrificial giving. 
And they wanted everybody to know how much they were giving to the church. They wanted everybody to know that they're just like everybody else, sacrificing so much for God. Here's the thing about Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of property. That's not bad. It's good. Just like everybody else in Acts chapter 4. Everybody's being generous and they're bringing the stuff to the apostles' feet. That's a wonderful thing. So far, so good, right? But then... This quickly goes off the rails and sin enters into the scene. Verse 2, with his wife's knowledge, Ananias kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they had a scheme. They had a plan. Hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sell this property. Okay, that sounds good. And then we're going to hold back some of it. I think this is a win-win-win, right, sweetheart? Yeah, I think so. Like, we're going to give to God. We're going to come in front of the apostles. We're going to say, look at all this this stuff that we're doing for God. And yet, we're also going to win. We're going to keep back some for ourselves and our investments. Amen. We got got bills to pay as well. We're going to just keep that back. We're going to get the glory. We're going to have our cake. And we're going to eat it too. They are double-minded. Unstable in all their ways. The scheme is the sin. The hypocrisy is the sin. The lying is the sin. Jesus said you can't serve God and money. It's impossible. You can't do both. And so they're trying to do both. They're trying to play both sides. And they are playing the the part of hypocrite. Ananias and Sapphira are hypocrites because they're trying to be somebody else. They're trying to parade around as someone who's more spiritual than they really are. Have you ever done that before? All God's people said, yes, I have. And I'm ashamed to say it. Where you've tried to be somebody bigger than you are, you've tried to to give the impression that you're more spiritual than you are, you're more generous than you are, but deep down, God knows your heart. You're not fooling anybody. And that's the reality. God recognizes the parade. There's hypocrites in the church. Ananias and Sapphira are publicly being hypocritical and liars. Did you know there's still sinners and hypocrites in the church? Still today. And I've heard it many times in South Des Moines. Well, I'm not going to go to your church. A bunch of hypocrites go there. I know Christians. I know you guys. You're a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard that before? I've heard that so many times. And I've got a, I've got a saying that I give as a response nowadays. I'm like, yep, you know what? You are right. There are a bunch of hypocrites in the church. And and normally that kind of warms it up. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, okay. I'm jiving with you. And then I say, and there's always room for one more if you want to come. Amen? There's always room. Keep coming. Ananias and Sapphira come to the apostles in a very public way. They parade their giving as we are so sacrificial. We're just as sacrificial as Barnabas over there. We're just as giving, just as sacrificial with our money But they were pretending, they were lying, they were posturing. They didn't need to sell their property. Nobody commanded them to sell their property. They didn't need to do that. They chose to do that. They didn't need to give it all. No one said they had to do that. That that was their choice. And, And they didn't need to keep up with the Joneses of the early church. No one said, hey, Barnabas did this thing. You guys got to go do that thing. Nobody said that. They chose all of this path. They lied to God and to man. This ridiculous parade of false worship. And that is the sin of the saints. 
hypocrisy and lying is probably one of the greatest sins of the church. Where we say we're one thing, but deep down we're trying to hold back whatever else we want to keep in our hearts. And then we parade around. And here's the reality of the first point. God sees the parade. If that's you this morning and you're parading around at church saying, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that, and you're not in your heart, God recognizes the parade. You can fool Pastor Josh. You can fool other pastors and church members. You can fool lots of people. You know who you can't fool? God. And some of you in your hearts need to repent because you have paraded around And you're in a very dangerous position. So God recognizes the parade of sin. The second activity of God in this passage is that he graciously prunes. He prunes his church. God graciously prunes his church. And Peter said, Ananias, verse 3, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. The second activity of the church is pruning. God prunes his church. He disciplines his people. And extremely so sometimes. Now, this is a very extreme situation. You don't find another situation like this in the New Testament. So we understand that This doesn't happen all the time. We don't expect people to die this morning at Living Waters. Amen? Yeah, you want to enjoy Mother's Day. Hallelujah. Like, this is not normal. But God does normally discipline his children. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus introduces the concept of God's discipline and how it works in the church. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother or sister sins, go confront them one-on-one. If they listen to you, bring two or three. If they don't listen to you, bring two or three. If they don't listen to the two or three, bring the church. Tell the church. That is the pattern of biblical church discipline. God disciplines his people. John 15, Jesus talks about it in agricultural terms. Jesus talks about pruning. God prunes those that he loves. John 15, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So if you prune a tree, you cut the branches in order that the tree or the plant might bear more fruit. That is the point of pruning. God prunes his church and it is a painful thing, but it is a necessary thing and a good thing. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 5 and 6, it says this, For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. Ananias and Sapphira, God is pruning the church through their example. He's waking everybody up to the reality that it's all about his glory, and it's all about the discipleship of the nations. And God is waking up his church through the pruning, the extreme pruning of Ananias and Sapphira. Peter is burdened by the sin that is being revealed to him. The Holy Spirit supernaturally reveals to Peter the sin of Ananias and Sapphira. Don't ask me how that happened, if it was a bulletin in his brain or something. I don't know. Something happened where Peter knew what was going on. 
And he confronts Ananias and he asks why. Ananias, why? Why are you doing this? Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? This is the heaviest part of pastoring, by the way, dealing with the sins of the saints. Why are you doing this? It's a question that we ask in the counseling room all the time, Pastor Andy and myself. Why are you doing this? Why? Because I want to. Why do you want to? Because I want to, Pastor. It's none of your business what I want. Well, actually it is super burdensome when you are choosing to sin over and over again in your life. And I will tell you that is the number one burden that all pastors have, is to watch people sin and parade. We watch people say Jesus like this on their social media and on their testimony, and then they go out and they live like the devil. And it is so burdensome. Why are you doing this? Why Name the name of Christ and go live however you want. Why do it? It's so heavy on our hearts. And a pastor that is worth his salt cares. Amen? Like we care about it. It's like a weight on us. Your sin is a weight on a good pastor, a good counselor, a good Christian friend. Because it's not okay. Why do it? Why sin? You're going to get hurt. It's not going to go well with you. Think about what the Apostle Paul said. He talked about being shipwrecked, beaten, imprisoned, constant danger, many hardships in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's listing all these things out. And then he said, oh, and, and then there's the heaviest thing. There is the daily pressure on me that I feel for anxiety for all the churches. Spiritual care is real. Sin is real. And we ought not to scoff at the pruning hand of God. Don't set yourself up where God has to discipline you. Don't be disingenuous. Church should be the one place where you are humble and repentant, not arrogant and assuming. So God loves people infinitely more than any pastor ever could. God loves his church. God loves the church of Jesus. And he will prune whatever he has to prune in order for the church to glorify his name and move forward. So Peter shocks Ananias. Can you imagine this moment of confrontation? Why has Satan filled your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Ananias' face was something like this. <sighs> something like that. I don't know. But he's so shocked at what he's hearing, he falls down dead. And you're like, what is that? I think he had a heart attack. I think he had a heart attack like on the spot and he died. Now, what happened to his wife? Three hours later, Sapphira walks in. In comes the wife, not knowing what has happened. Three hours later, they're still having church, by the way. Just saying. Just saying. Three hours later, church service still going on. Sapphira walks in. Peter, burdened by the sins of the saint, confronts Sapphira. How gracious is God to give the wife, the opportunity, just you can be honest right here, right now. Please be honest. Please be honest. Did you sell the land for such and such a price? Yeah, such and such a price. Ah, God is so good and gracious, even in his disciplining and pruning. He gives an opportunity for Sapphira to tell the truth. She does not. And she falls down dead in a very similar way, just as 
her husband did. God will prune his church. And I finished this point by telling a quick illustration. I had a really good friend. His name was Paul. Paul was a really godly young man. We hung out a lot. We did ministry at Drake University in college. Um, we loved Jesus together. We did ministry together. We hung out together all the time. God really used Paul. He's a very gifted, gifted young man. After Bible college, he fell away from God, got into all kinds of crazy drugs and wild living and all that. And he still lived in central Iowa, Des Moines area, and we would always pray for my friend Paul. I would always pray for him, that God would restore him and, and be gracious to him. And it never really happened. Paul ended up walking away and just was, was stubborn. He, he was very firm that he believed in Jesus, very firm that he wasn't unsaved. But there was just his life. It was just a struggle. And there was a warning shot given out to Paul by myself as a friend and many others that, Paul, just please be, be, be careful. His dad was doing a Bible study with him. Paul um, was on his roof of his apartment, off of his porch patio, trying to reach up and out to knock some snow off of um, either a satellite or something like that. He fell and, and died. And I remember that funeral like it was yesterday. And just how much people wept and cried and mourned for Paul. And talking to his brother and his dad and intimate family, it was this kind of situation. Where I believe Paul was saved, absolutely, 100%. But this disciplining hand of God is real. We don't know. We shouldn't take life for granted. And I'll see Paul someday by God's grace in heaven, and I'm excited for that. But church, I tell you that story just to help wake you up. This is, this is not fun and games. Your life matters to God. Don't waste the grace of God. The grace of God is not cheap. It is expensive. Don't waste your life. God will prune his church. And may God be gracious to you. Third point of activities of God. The third activity is this. God produces more fruit. Finally, God does more signs and wonders in verse 12. The people esteem them highly. More believers than ever added to the Lord. Multitudes of men and women. They're even carrying out sick people into the streets so that Peter's shadow might fall on these sick folks so that they might be healed the third activity of God in a thriving church is he produces more fruit. After the pruning, there's a lot of fruit, a ton of fruit, more fruit than has ever been experienced before. And this is always God's end game. God never disciplines anybody on accident. He does it on purpose so that the church will thrive and grow and wake up to the realities of the gospel. So the gospel produces stuff. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, in that same discipline passage that I mentioned before, it says this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. And all you kids that got spanked as a kid say amen, right? Painful. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. 
No discipline seems fun in the moment, but it produces stuff, fruits of righteousness in your life. Praise God. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira and God's discipline led to more salvations and more amazing things than ever before. That's amazing. 3,000 people were saved at Pentecost. They were counting. Who was counting at Pentecost, by the way? Click, 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 click. You know, like who's counting all the salvations? That's amazing. But then 5,000 people in Acts 4, and we're talking about the church with women and children as well, 20,000 plus people, all in the name of Jesus coming to Christ. And at this point, in Acts chapter 5, they can't even keep counting more. <laughs> They're like 3,000, 5,000, 20,000, whatever. We don't even know anymore. Just a multitude. Multitudes are getting saved. Multitudes. So many people are coming to Christ. And people are laying sick people in the street. So Peter's shadow might fall on them and they might be saved. That's Holy Spirit power. Amen? Incredible. Even unbelievers who couldn't join up with them respected them. And they, they stayed close to the word of God. And God did it. God absolutely blew the doors off the church in the best way. And so it will be as we close the sermon, so it will be with us. God prunes our church for a purpose, for the glory of his name and the multiplication of his kingdom on the earth. So no pain is purposeless. And the ultimate reality is that God saves and glorifies himself in greater ways through the discipline. And I could tell you stories, but I'm out of time. I got stories about our church. Every time our church has been through a painful pruning process, God has done amazing things on the backside. Amazing. And so we ought not expect anything else but God saving many people through the pruning of his process. More glory to him. More disciples amongst the nations. So as we close, God will do whatever he has to do to keep his church focused on glorifying his name and making disciples. God recognizes the parade. He graciously prunes and he produces more fruit. May God do so at Living Waters this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we close our service this morning with some singing and some response. God, this is, this is a heavy passage. Lord, you are the God who recognizes the parade. And Lord, I pray that you would look down at Living Waters, 830 service, and that you would tell people in their hearts that you recognize their parade. That they're being false. They're being hypocritical. They're being liars about their walk with Jesus. Lord, would you be so gracious to prune our church? Lord, please don't kill anyone. We want everybody alive. But Lord, I pray that you would prune the church in ways that would glorify you and multiply the blessings of the gospel throughout our church. Biblical family atmosphere. God, that's our heart this year, to be a church family. So Lord, as you prune, be gracious. Help us to be humble. Help us to be repentant. Help us to be open. God, by your grace, would you bring about a harvest that is so unbelievable, so amazing, 
that people would get saved by the droves and that believers would experience real joy. So God, I know on this Mother's Day that there's a lot going on in people's hearts, people's minds. Lord, would you please give all of us a spirit of repentance and humility. God, give us a recognition of Jesus Christ. Help us to get right with other people. If we need to get right with other people, help us to humble ourselves. And God, may you get the glory. May people come to Christ, even this morning. Restoration and salvation. And move us forward for your glory, God. In Jesus' name, amen.